thinking about your business in like a long-term arc. And so, you know, hopefully if you love what you're doing and, you know, you, you want to do continue to do what you're doing for like another 10 years, then that means that you are probably the most important asset in your business. Like a lot relies on you being able to show up year after year. And, and so in that 10 year arc, like eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks of time away is such a small percentage of that long arc. And if you can structure that leave, um, and I'm talking about those weeks, I'm just like, these are placeholder numbers for what someone might (laughs) take for their leave. Um, And so if you're thinking about, you know, I want to show up really strongly for my clients next year and the year after and 10 years from now, um, how do I make that investment now that actually means my business continues to thrive in the long term. Hello, 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 friend, and welcome to this amazing episode of the Speech Goods Podcast. I am super excited for you to be tuning in today because we have a very, very important and I honestly think not discussed enough topic that we are going to be talking about today. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Ariana and what she does, and then I'll give you a few juicy tidbits about what we get to talk about in the interview. I said about a lot, sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, And then we're gonna go ahead and jump to our conversation. So Ariana Toboada is actually the founder of The Expecting Entrepreneur. She is a social worker and business owner. And The Expecting Entrepreneur, it's a consulting firm that helps entrepreneurs design parental leave plans that meet their business model and personal needs. So Ariana, she speaks and she writes about parental leave and respectful maternity care as a true issue of social justice, human rights, and economic equity. Her work has actually been published in peer-reviewed journals, such as the International Journal of Health Equity, Advances in Social Work, and Ethnicity and Health. She's the co-author of Degrees of Difference, Reflections of Women of Color on Graduate School, published by the University of Illinois Press in 2020, and her new book, The Expecting Entrepreneur, which is her first solo authored book. She lives, works, and plays with her family in the San Francisco Bay Area. Honestly, I was really excited to have Ariana on the show. I actually heard about her book and I reached out to her and was basically like, can you please come on? Because let's be honest, the speech pathology field and whether you're an SLP, OTPT, most of these are female dominated fields. And a lot of females, a lot of women tend to have babies. Obviously you do not have to have children, but that's just kind of what happens a lot with women. We tend to have babies, right? And there's this real issue that I feel no one's talking about, about maternity leave. And whether you're an entrepreneur or even a contractor, being sort of like planning your maternity leave and making your business sort of ready for you to go on maternity leave. Because as entrepreneurs, we don't have paid maternity leave. We don't have a lot of these things that you may already have in place as an employee. This can be a real barrier and a real concern for female entrepreneurs who want to go forth and have their own children. So we get some really great information from Ariana. We talk about specifics, like how to communicate with clients when you are, you know that you're about to go on maternity leave. We even get into options for employers 
to be able to provide paid maternity leave or some form of pay during the maternity leave of their employees. We talk a little bit about policy and kind of what's going on in society. I just found this conversation to be something that really needs to be out there for everyone to hear and the information was just so invaluable all right so let's go ahead get to the interview with ariana hello 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 ariana how are you doing today i'm good thanks for having me danny i'm excited for the conversation yes so as everyone all of you probably heard in your bio you are not a speech pathologist um, <laughs> we're not a speech pathologist, but the topic that you write about in your book, The Expecting Entrepreneur, is like so just, it just makes so much sense that I knew that I had to have you on because as SLPs, most of us are women. It's 96 point something percent women. All my guy SLPs, I love you, but you know, you're very much a minority. Uh, and I think we were saying this before we hit record, just by the nature, you know, we're mostly women. And if you're young, I mean, it's just kind of like a self-selecting thing. There's probably going to be a good amount of us that want to have kids, especially those of us that are business owners. And this is a conversation that I've had with people before of this idea, you know, the advantages of being an entrepreneur and having a business, how it can grow with you and change with you, which is really cool. But at the same time, there's that level of responsibility and planning and a big part of a woman's life is when she becomes, and if you if you choose to become a mother, but if you choose to become a mother, a big part of your life is is planning for like a maternity leave and like when that baby is born, and it's such a huge turning point in your life. And to be able to prepare your business to evolve with you and to make sure that your business carries you through that, I think is so cool. And I'm just so glad that you're talking about this topic. So, anyways, I'm gonna stop talking and give you the floor. So can you tell us just a little bit, I know we got your bio, tell us a little bit about yourself and like how this even started with you writing this book. Sure, so it's it's always fun to talk to someone who's as excited about the topic as I am. <laughs> um, and like you said, I am not an SLP, but I, I am in kind of in the health professions world. So I'm a public health social worker by training. Um, and got into the specific work I do today, like, like many entrepreneurs, kind of a circuitous route. Um, I went into private practice, was primarily working with folks kind of around postpartum um, and, and realized that A, the people that were coming to me were mostly self-employed and, and their, one of their biggest pain points was actually not related to the kind of physiological or psychological um, postpartum things that are happening, of which there are many, but but a big pain point was actually returning to work and the nature of being self-employed, the lack of parental leave, of having to figure out how. And so people were kind of reaching me in this crisis moment. And I was like, if I experiment with actually shifting my services back and explicitly addressing both the business side and the per personal side, I think that you know, outcomes could be better. <laughs> um, so I shifted in 2015 to explicitly working with folks to plan parental leave as a small business owner and have been doing it ever since. And like you mentioned, the book just came out in October, 2021. Yes, I love it. I love it. So 
Can you tell us a little bit about, and I, I know that you've mentioned like being, are you yourself a parental leave consultant? Is that what you consider yourself? Yes, that's kind of the, the self, self-invented title I have landed on. Girl, I love it. I love it. Believe me, if I, if, and I'm sure many of my fellow SLPs will agree, if we could rename ourselves from speech language pathologist to something with less syllables, we probably would, <laughs> but you know, I digress. So can you tell us a little bit, cause I know it sounds like you started working with clients one-on-one, which is actually how a lot of people get get ideas for like a course or a book. That's how like I got my idea to make a budget course. You you work with people on one-on-one and you get to know your audience and get to know your customer. And then that's how you were able to put this, this book together. So can you tell us a little bit about like what you do as a parental leave consultant? Sure. So you are right. When I'm doing kind of intensive one-on-one work was great for a period of time and in really figuring out what the needs were, what, um, what I could offer that would meet those needs. And so at this particular point in time, this iteration of, of my business and, you know, with the theme of your podcast of figuring out what, how your business can change as you change and as your, um, as the way you want your work to look changes. So right now I spend a lot less time doing one-on-one work and more time doing um, kind of what I'd call narrative change work. So really thinking about how can we get small business owners engaged in um, in the, the fight for paid leave for lack of better terms, um, which is, uh, kind of alive and well in the US context, um, since it's the only the only high income country that doesn't have a, a federal paid leave policy. And I do work um, in kind of workshop style and review style. So a lot of people buy the book, go through the book, create a plan and are want a, want a sounding board, a thought partner to help review the plan and think through the plan um, and implement. And so I do a lot of kind of still handholding in, in the implementation of parental leave planning and act as a, a consultant and thought partner um, for businesses who, who are kind of in the thick of implementing a parental leave plan for the first time. So a lot of that, a lot of the information about that was, you know, popping up on my Instagram and Facebook feed. And I did learn that, that we're the only, you know, very well-off country that doesn't have a paid parental leave. So can you like, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, I know it, it's a big issue for entrepreneurs, obviously, because we don't have anyone to give us benefits. Like we're doing our own thing. Um, but how that just is, it, it can even, it's even a bigger problem for not just entrepreneurs. Yeah. So yes, we can totally talk about the, the sad state of paid leave in the U S and so, yeah, we do not have a federal paid leave policy. What we do have, which people may have heard of is, um, FMLA, which is the family medical leave act that was passed in 93 under president Clinton. And that is essentially is job protection. So it is, useful if you have an employer <laughs> during the point of time when you are taking parental leave um, there are loopholes so the employer has to um, employ more than 50 people um, in order to 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 for fmla to apply and you have to have been at your um in your role for at least 12 months so there are all these all these gaps still in fmla um, and it is not, it is not paid, right? It's just saying, oh, we'll keep your job for 12 weeks. Um, and 
and you take unpaid leave um, and self-employed people fall through the cracks, um, kind of contract or gig workers fall through the cracks in for FMLA. And the reality is that most people in the US uh, go back to work 10 days after having a baby because of this lack of, of paid leave. And okay, I didn't realize it was that bad. I knew six weeks was like a number, 10 days. Yep. So the vast majority of people give birth 10 days later are back in an office or in whatever work setting you are in. So, I mean, it is disproportionately, certain populations are disproportionately vulnerable. And so low-wage workers um, oftentimes have even less than, than 10 days. Um, and uh, communities of color and women, of course, mm -hmm. based on birthing <laughs> abilities, we tend to do um, most are hit the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you know, I'm curious to get your opinion on this because I've had, you know, I for myself, like I've been on the employee side. Um, I, I, my husband and I do not have children yet, um, but I've been on the employee side of things. But I've also been on the business owner side of things. Now I myself, like I have one independent contractor. I don't have employees. I don't. You know, most people listening to the show know my story. I don't plan on building into this big clinic or anything like that. Um, but the independent contractor I have, like if she were to become pregnant, like there's no way I would be able to, like I would love to be able to pay her while she would, she was on leave for six weeks or nine weeks or 12 weeks, which I know, you know, there's a difference between an independent contractor and an employee. Um, but like, there's no way, like, there's no way I could ever afford to do that. And I know at the previous private practice that I worked at, um, they finally like instituted a policy. It employs less than 50 people. So, which they don't have to do FMLA at that point, right? Correct. They are not bound to FMLA. They did it based on other compelling reasons, maybe. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so retention comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Parental leave policies help retain workers often. Oh. Um, and so it's used as like a competitive advantage sometimes by employers. Um, and, and then the reality that, you know, that people, people, like you said, people want to create a workplace that is supportive of their workers. And so some places have opted to do it. Um, and we can talk about strategies that small businesses have used to, to be able to offer paid leave, um, even when they, you know, are not required by FMLA and when it is, it is a financial challenge to be able to figure it out. Yes, I would love to hear that because I remember, and I'll just tell this little anecdotal story. I remember when my previous boss presented like our, a new handbook or whatever, and that was, it, it had it had lead family leave in there. You know, most of the therapists, we were all in our, our mid to late 20s, like prime baby making age, if that's what you want to do, right? Um, and there was a clear policy that like you would get, you would still keep your job, but there would be no paid, no paid leave. And everyone was very, very upset about that. Like not, you know, not in the meeting, but like, you know, you know how people talk, like you're like, oh, okay, in the meeting. And then you go back to your therapy room and you're like, girl, <laughs> it was basically like that. Um, but people were really upset. But honestly, like I love doing the math and I love doing the numbers. I mean, it would be, I don't think that my former employer was like being mean or greedy. I really don't know if like she would have been able to afford to pay someone 
for like a month and a half, who's not generating any revenue for the business, or it would be financially difficult. So I find like there's, I find it's just interesting because I feel like sometimes like employees, especially in our space, when it comes to like smaller private practices, employees may feel like they're being gypped, but then it's also looking at like as an employer, how expensive it is. So can you, can you tell us like those small business type strategies for if you wanted to maybe provide some, some sort of paid leave for your employees? Yeah, sure. So the first thing that comes to mind is that you can purchase as the business, the business can purchase disability insurance. Um, and that is kind of like, like any other insurance broker, liability insurance or, um, health insurance if you purchase that for for um for your team then your insurance broker can help you figure out a disability insurance policy that pay you know pays in a small amount every month um, and then that pays out uh birth basically co is covered under disability for <laughs> we won't get into the weird reasons of how that might work it's covered um, we're happy <laughs> um, but essentially it pays out someone um as if they were on disability while they were um, taking parental leave. And so that the coverage varies, um, but around like 66% um, to 80% is, is often what that covers. And so that, that can go a really long way for an employee. Um, the, the other thing that comes to mind is that some states have stepped in where the, where the federal government hasn't. And so some states have um, state level policies that you can use um, to to cover a business owner could essentially help the employee figure out if they are eligible. Same thing from taxes, um, you know, people pay in and then um, you can draw on that money when you are taking leave. Um, so the states, it's a small select number of states that have it. Um, Washington State, uh, DC, California, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Um, I'm missing a few in there. So I'll have to, I'll send, we'll follow up on the, the, the other to complete to round out the nine, um, Connecticut. Um, but that, that book. is another way. It is in my book. Okay. Yes. So go buy our book. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Amazon, right? It is on Amazon. Yeah, it is. It is anywhere books are sold. <laughs> love it. Love it. Wow. That, so I knew about the, the short, it's like short-term disability insurance or something like that. Cause they offer that to my husband at his job. Um, and a friend of mine, I think she, she used that for her maternity leave. So I didn't realize that. So the employer could buy it for their employees essentially. Mm -hmm. And got you interesting, very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, an individual, a solo business owner could buy it. If you have an LLC set up, you can buy it for your company. Um, the trick is you, you do have to purchase it before you are pregnant. <laughs> and so this is like a, a planning ahead type of scenario. So if you are thinking about having a family down the road, um, then looking into disability insurance is one great way to, to think about how you could actually build up some of that ability to, to take leave and still get paid, especially when you're the one, like you said, main one driving revenue. <laughs> yes. So on that topic, can you talk to us a little bit more about a few of the strategies to help small business owners, small expecting entrepreneurs or women who are like, I want to have kids or they're thinking about having kids in their future, maybe they're pregnant right now. 
some of the strategies that you would recommend to sort of help with, I think, and what was, what was the term you used? Baby proofing your business? Is that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's start with operations. Cause I know you also have like a, you know, business building brain. Um, and so operationally, it's interesting how pregnancy can actually be, be like a forcing function for helping people get their operations in order. Um, and so one, um, one strategy that I often start have with, um, as like the first thing people can do is to actually think about getting their standard operating procedures or operations manual in order if you do not currently have that up to date. Um, And so that can often look like just blocking off time every week to work on a little bit at a time. Um, One exercise that I often have people do is, is look at two weeks of your time, track the time, track what you're spending the time doing, and then review that kind of list of tasks and begin to see what are the things that you're doing over and over again. Do you have a standard operating procedure for it? Do you not? Can you create one? Um, What are the things that you might want to actually delegate or take off your plate? And getting getting the operations manual in order is a great way to be able to, to do some of that delegating or realizing that you, you know, if you're coming back to the business after several um, weeks away and you are sleep deprived and (laughs) tired, having a really clear, this is what I do in this order can just be a really helpful um, tool for you to use yourself. (laughs) So would you recommend that for even, even businesses that are, that don't have you know, like, like, I guess even for myself, like I have one independent contractor and I have one virtual assistant. Like, is that something you think would still be beneficial for someone who's got a really small operation of just a few people? I think having the core things that are the, like the core business functions written out, and it doesn't have to be like fancy, right? I'm talking about a Google doc. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with like the key steps or the bullet points. Um, and so it can be really helpful if you think that that the role you want to have will change over the next few months, because that often means that there maybe there are things that you, you know, even if you just have the two people, the two external people who you're working with, if you want to, if you decide to hand off one of the things that you currently do to one of them, um, it, it can make the training and onboarding process much easier. So I think you wouldn't need the same level of like detail as if you had like 20 team members and you were, you know, really in this hands-off leadership role and not doing the executing yourself. Um, But having some level of documentation, I often find is helpful. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So that's like your recommendations for operations. Is there, are there some other categories that you like to think of it, to think of when (laughs) preparing? Yeah. So client communication is another big one that often comes up. So a lot of times when you are working with clients, you know, all day, every day, figuring out, not just figuring out your parental leave plan, but figuring out what you are going to say to your clients, how you are going to manage the client experience, what questions they might come to you with, um, is, is a big, uh, area that people are wondering about. So 
essentially a client communication strategy is one thing that I often encourage people to think through. There's a whole chapter on the book about it that has like scripts and things like that. But the, the core pieces of like what goes into a client communication strategy, what do I even think about ahead of time, um, are how you want to communicate, how you want to let them know that this is coming. Um, and the main thing that I, that I, you know, encourage people to think about is, well, what will make your client feel taken care of, right? They are coming to you for a service. They get a lot out of working with you. And so if you are able to share the news in a way that, that clearly tells them what to expect and how their needs that they will still have while you are on leave can be met, um, then for the most part, people are really supportive and understanding, you know, they're human too. They understand you are another human having, having an, a, you know, a life event. Um, and, and so having that opportunity for clear communication is often um, a, a nice way to both share the news and have your clients feel taken care of. Yes, yes. And most of us, a lot of us as speech therapists, especially, especially those of us in private practice, it is a service-based business. You know, we see our clients and you, I'm sure you see something very similar. You build really, you build relationships with these people. Like we are seeing these kids or these adults or whoever I work mostly in pediatrics, um, we're seeing them every single week. And so you feel, I like that you sort of address the fact that, you know, there's like the ethical piece, but then there's also just like, you need to make sure that they feel taken care of. They don't feel like you've abandoned them um, as you're kind of making this transition. Now, would you mind sharing just, and I don't know if you, it would be thinking of past clients or an, would you mind sharing an example of a client communication plan that someone has used um, just so we can get like a little bit more tangible for everybody listening? Sure. So if we're thinking about the scenario of like you see a client every week, um, you, you know, you might be wondering when, when do I share this? <laughs> and, <Yes>. and so <laughs> identifying like, how much ahead of time you want to share um, is important and identifying how how much details you want to share like it is your life you know you do not have to share every single detail of your pregnancy experience if you do not want to um, but you can think about okay about um, a month ahead of um, of like going on leave, like especially if you're seeing someone in person, they will eventually notice, right? You are, yeah. you are having a baby. It's, um, it's and so, <laughs> yeah. And so if you think about like a month ahead of the time that I want to tell them, I am going to start working on this plan. So it might be if you are pretty clear, like you're going to start sharing at the second trimester, um, you can you know, that means early in pregnancy, you're thinking about what do I want to say? And you can kind of come up with a script for yourself. It can include things like, this is when I'm due. This is about how many weeks I will be taking off. These are the things um, that, or these are the ways that I will be available for communication. Should you need to communicate? Um, and for, I mean, this is an interesting kind of workshoppy type question, but for, um, for SLPs or anyone who sees clients in that weekly rhythm, um, like it is a good question of like, well, how, what are the client's needs during that time you will be away? And are there ways that you can creatively meet those needs? Are there kind of a exercises to work on at home that they would be able to do without you doing the weekly sessions or would they really need kind of an interim 
um, provider to to check on them and is that something that you are able to work out with kind of a network of colleagues or collaborators um, so i'm curious danny in kind of passing the mic back to you for a second in thinking about this week to week scenario and figuring out what uh, how to ensure client cons consistency for a client um, what what options an slp would have if you know let's say you want to take six weeks but you have a couple of cases that you know will need that weekly um, coverage still um, what what would you do if you were recommending <laughs> making recommendations for someone in those shoes right i mean i would just think like because i've had this thought as well like okay what, what what's my plan going to be you know whenever like that time comes and so a lot of, i assume like i would try to so you really have two options you can refer those kids out and a lot of people don't want to do that because a lot of us want to have have our caseload when we're done with maternity leave and i think that's really a challenge so you can either refer them out to like other practices or maybe refer them to somewhere that you trust the, that therapist and know that they'll kind of like give the client back i guess again i feel like you know these are people these are human beings it's not like i work at window world you know like these are real <laughs> these kids have emotions and feelings and schedules um and then the other option is really to hire a contractor to do your maternity leave for you um but even then it's like i guess you would just need to make it really clear that it's just a maternity leave and then you know, maybe you're not going to have any work for them after, but then it's like, I don't know, I don't know like how effective that is or like how easy it is to find someone to be able to cover that. And then and I'll tell you this, Ariana, an issue for me is I have a very specialized caseload. So not just any speech therapist can treat the kids that I treat because I just have, it's not like, oh, I'm the best person ever, but I just have, I have like these, I have a couple certifications and it's a very, a few very niche areas. So to even find someone to do what I could do would be difficult and, you know, even just that in itself. So I know those are the things that bounce around in my head and that I've seen in other people, other like SLP groups. So yeah. you tell me, I'm, you can tell me I, I'm totally wrong. And I no, I love it. I, I feel like we're building off of each other and hopefully, hopefully the conversation is useful to listeners oh, as well. This is so good. I love but it. But we're, you know, and neither of us are kind of giving legal advice, right? So this is definitely something that you would um, work out with a lawyer, but figuring out the subcontracting piece of essentially writing out like a temp position, quote unquote temp position or a temp contract um, that would both cover your cases while you are out and also potentially help with some coverage as you transition back in. Because I think the reality is that most people, you know, especially if you are have back to back clients, most days, most weeks, um, coming back postpartum, um, you you are going to be figuring out what your rhythm is, what your availability is based on childcare, based on your, you know, if you are nursing, um, what breaks you will need to have, um, and and so thinking through a return to work plan and return to caseload plan that accounts for your time being a little different coming back um, is also a great way to think about how to structure um, a, a contract of sorts for someone to to serve your clients and help 
in that return to work transition. You mentioned in the book, you talk about like building support networks when you find out you're pregnant. Is that kind of what you mean, that process? Or is there like something else you would want to add to that support, building support network? Yeah. So the interestingly, the building support network is actually thinking about um, the, the pregnant person and what support you need on the more personal side. And so um, there, you know, I often ask people, I use a tool called an, an eco map a lot of times, which is a visual way to map out your support networks. And it makes it pretty easy to see like, where are there gaps in support and where do I need to like find a, a new way or a different way to, to get my needs met. Um, but there you can, so if you visualize what this map looks like, it's like circles inside circles. So a concentric circle model that you can then plot, like who are the people closest to me? like literally around me or in my neighborhood who I could rely on for things that I will need. So sometimes that might be a meal train. Sometimes that might be um, like taking your dog on a walk in those immediate postpartum phases. Um, and then if, as you expand out in the circle, it's thinking about your community supports and on the outer circle is professional support. So that are other health professionals that can help meet the needs that you will have. Um, oftentimes things like a postpartum doula or a lactation consultant are in that professional um, layer, but other thinking about other SLPs that can be part of your professional support where it's not necessarily meeting your personal needs, but it's meeting your business needs. That's a great way to think about that professional layer um, and who is in your network that can help you, you know, address the business related side of taking parental leave. Interesting. Interesting. So, and, and like, as you were saying that, I was like, huh, like thinking about where people are like in reference, like where you physically are, like who can help you that's within five minutes and then where those people can help you. Like, I know we all have our, our friend that we go to when we need to talk. And then we know we have, you know, we know like if like mother-in-law, like, you know, mother-in-law you probably have if you want her. Whenever everything's going on. So I love, I absolutely love that framework and a way to think about it. So now can you tell us a little bit about like what you think women should know, especially first time moms? Because I feel like, I feel like especially for first time moms, like they have no idea what to expect. Like <laughs> you have no idea what to expect. I mean, if people tell you what to expect, but I feel like you don't really know until you actually like go do it. Um, but what do you think, you know, women, these female entrepreneurs should know like about how having a baby and how that's going to affect their business? Yeah, I think we've we've hinted at a couple things during the during our conversation so far. So this is a great time to just like elevate them and pull them out. Um, so I think the the first thing that comes to mind is that it me it means identity transition. So for a lot of you know people who are put a lot of time and love and energy into their training and their clients and their work, um, you're business can feel like, like your first baby of sorts. And as you transition into a new role, um, as you add parent onto your identity, it can, there's a lot of kind of working out what that means for you that happens. And so normalizing that it is, <laughs> it is a transition. It is a big transition and it is okay to have a period of time where you're like, 
who am I? What am I doing? How should I spend my time? Do I, you know, is the way that I'm spending my time um, what I want my life to look like right now? Um, and that, that is okay. It is normal. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is just normal to not, to not fully know and give yourself time. Cause I mean, I feel like, again, I do not have children, but I know like postpartum is already just, I mean, it's, it's such a spectrum of how everybody has, everyone has such a different experience, but bottom line, like I know parts postpartum is a very emotional draining part of life. And that feel, when you add the pressure of a business on top of it, like one thing that I actually just recorded a video, a video and a podcast episode about like pros and cons of private practice. And one of the cons that I put was that like, it's all on you that you have to like, you know, when you have a job, you can just be like, Oh, I'm not coming tomorrow. I'll figure it out. But when it's your business, I mean, you could technically tell your patients, I'm not coming or I'll figure it out, but good luck getting any more business. <laughs> and it's like, it's all, it's really all on you. And obviously you can, you can delegate. And I feel like, I feel like what you said at the beginning of the episode about how pregnancy tends to push entrepreneurs into having to delegate, <laughs> even if they, you know, maybe they should have delegated sooner, but pregnancy kind of puts like a little bit of a timeline on you. Uh, but just really like getting that there's the pressure of being a business owner. And then there's just the, the pressure of just having, having a new baby and being a new mom, or even if you're, even if it's not your first baby, um, but just sort of dealing with both of those. And I feel like it would be a lot. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you, did you use these strategies? Like, did you go on a maternity leave and use a lot of these things? Yes. I, well, first of all, you're right. It is a lot. <laughs> like there's, cause there's change. There's phys physiological changes. There's, uh, you know, psychological changes. There are kind of social changes, um, in the ways that people see that others see you and the ways that you are now showing up to others. Um, and, and I did take, um, parental leave, um, and in planning for it, I essentially made myself my client and made myself go through all the exercises that I, uh, walked clients through. And of course, I mean, the second thing that's like important to know, um, like, of course it doesn't go exactly as you planned it out because we don't know what kind of birth we will have. We don't know what kind of postpartum recovery we'll have. We don't know what kind of baby we'll have. <laughs> Um, and so the, one of the guiding principles I offer up is plan with a spirit of, ex with the spirit of experimentation and curiosity. Um, so knowing that you have a plan, yes. And there are things that hopefully will work beautifully in that plan. And there will probably be things that you deviate from too. I think that's a good, like solid, like, all right, we're going to make a plan. What's that TikTok? It's like, you know, make the plan, follow the plan. Don't deviate from the plan. Throw the plan away. <laughs> I feel like there's a TikTok in there for you somewhere. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, you know, check that one away for when I finally get on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So if you, if you like are open to it, would you mind sharing us a little bit of details about your own maternity leave and how you kind of prepped your business for your maternity leave? Sure. So I, um, at the time I mentioned, I was seeing a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, and I also had, um, some 
longer term contracts for organizations or institutions that I was um, working with as a consultant. And so what ended what I ended up structuring um, when I sat down to really think about like, what do I want my leave to look like? And what do I want my return to look like? I knew I wanted a gradual return. Um, and I wanted to be able to come back not at full time and then work my way up full time. Um, and so what I did is I actually transitioned my clients off because I knew I had these longer term contracts. These were like three to five year contracts at the time um, that that, you know, they were contracts. I, I knew I was coming back to those. Um, and so I at that point stopped my one on one work um, and I financially planned for like three or four months of leave. Um, what I ended up doing, um, my partner was also self-employed. And so part of that three or four months was like what, what we knew he had coming in the pipeline. And you know what? Financial planning changes based on how finances actually shake out. So my husband, some of my husband's contracts didn't end up coming through. So I actually ended up my, my, um, my time completely away from my business was only about six weeks. And so it was much shorter than I imagined. I thought I was going to have like four months without touching anything. I had an assistant who could like handle kind of the routine things and communications. Um, and so my, my own plan, I deviated from it. And I was, you know, I, I spent a lot of time planning. I like, I, you know, I screened myself for like every postpartum mood or anxiety disorder possible. Um, and still I, there I was six weeks after sitting at my desk, um, trying to figure out like, how is this going to look for me? What am I actually capable of? So I ended up getting childcare earlier than I expected just for a few hours a week. I think I started at eight hours a week of childcare. And I, that is that my, my return to work was about eight hours a week. <laughs> um, and, and it gradually went up from there. Um, and so I had a very slow return to full time and my full time ended up being about 30 hours a week. Whereas before my full time was very much like, you know, a lot of client facing hours, easily 40, 45, um, once you add in like all the admin <laughs> related tasks, um, and so my work hours, the way my work hours looked really shifted um, during, obviously during my leave and then post, um, post leave return to work. Interesting. And so did you, so you essentially kind of referred your clients elsewhere at that point? Yeah, I had three people who were in my network that I really trusted. Um, and so I set up all of my kind of client intake forms or new prospective client forms would directly send them to those three people um, or directly make the recommendation that they reach out to them that I was no longer during this period, I wasn't taking on new clients. Um, and then my ongoing clients, um, I found, I connected them with one of those three people based on, you know, we would have a conversation about, um, about who might be a good fit, about what, um, what they needed at that particular point. It also, because of the nature of my work with clients was, you know, it wasn't like an SLP might be, it wasn't week after week. I usually worked with people for about three months. And so there was some like natural endings to the client relationships where it was like, okay, great. We ended that. And I know I'm going on leave in a month and, you know, you 
you and our and our contract ended. So there's nothing, there's no handoff needed. Um, was what I found to be the case in in a in a handful of my my client work. Interesting. Okay, I keep saying interesting. Um, I need to give another word, Ariana. But um, <laughs> so can you tell a little bit about because I I've, I've seen this in conversations as well. Um, a sort of fear of returning and basically like you, you go on leave and then when you come back this fear of like oh like what if it, what if I'm not going to have anything when I come back especially if you especially like you know like in your case you referred your client out um how do you deal with sort of like that fear of taking any time off because I know as entrepreneurs, many of us can have a little bit of a tendency to like work ourselves to death. <laughs> I have that tendency. I've been working on it for the past like year heavily. Um, but I know, like, I know for me, and if I'm, hopefully there's some listeners out there who this is resonating with. I know for me, like, it's going to be hard, this idea of like stopping. And how do you sort of deal, deal with that like fear of stopping and that like anxiety of like, wait, no, I'm, I'm always working. How, how can I not work? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So one reframe that I like to offer up is, I mean, thinking about your business in like a long-term arc. And so, you know, hopefully if you love what you're doing and, you know, you, you want to do continue to do what you're doing for like another 10 years, then that means that you are probably the most important asset in your business. Like a lot relies on you being able to show up year after year. And, and so in that 10 year arc, like eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks of time away is such a small percentage of that long arc. And if you can structure that leave, um, and I'm talking about those weeks, I'm just like, these are placeholder numbers for what someone might <laughs> <laughs> take for their leave. Um, and so if you're thinking about, you know, I want to show up really strongly for my clients next year and the year after and 10 years from now, um, how do I make that investment now that actually means my business continues to thrive in the long term? And so thinking of it as a parental leave time away from your business can be an investment in the strengthening of your business in the long term. Um, because if we play out the scenario of like, say you are, you know, become one of those people who goes back to work 10 days after giving birth, like that probably will have implications in the near and long term. Um, so it, if you kind of think of it as like, what do you as an asset need in order to function both short-term and long-term in the business? Um, and leave becomes one of these like non-negotiable things, because if your health is compromised, then it, it kind of, you know, cuts you off at the knees in order, it, in terms of thinking about how you can continue to, to invest a lot in your business and your clients in the years to come. But before we begin, if you are an SLP, OTPT, or you just breathe air and you know you need to get better at effectively managing your money, you don't want to necessarily wait every week for me to gradually dole out every strategy, knowledge nugget, or how-to on budgeting and taking control of your money, I want to invite you to join the Budget Without Burden online course. It's an online go at your own pace because you know we're busy course that has helped over 100 clinicians to create a budget they will actually stay 
stick to. It equips busy clinicians like us to spend with intention and confidence to meet our financial goals. I take you through understanding your different types of expenses, how to prioritize your spending based upon what your personal financial goals are and what brings you joy. I actually show you how to automate your finances, how to budget for the unexpected and help you create your own intentional spending plan for the next 90 days. I'll show you how to do all of these things without spending hours in a complicated spreadsheet. Be sure to click on the link in the show notes to join me in the course and start doing the dang thing. Girl, just preach it. That's your, <laughs> yes, that's, you're so good. Cause I definitely get this idea of, you know, we show up best whenever we are happy, when we are healthy, and that's a discussion I've had a lot of like, SL, there's this very much like SLPs burning out because of ridiculous caseloads and, you know, low pay, like all this type of stuff. And that's why a lot of SLPs end up starting private practices is because they're burnt out from their old jobs or their old settings. And I think it's important to realize that all the things that we did, the reason that you started your business in the first place was probably to get away from all of those toxic overworking situations and how we need to, we don't want to recreate that for ourselves again <laughs> uh, and cause yourself to just burn out in your business. Like, okay, you burn out on this, but if you don't structure your business in an intentional way to fit around your life, because at the end of the day, like that's the whole point of it, right? Is to allow you to live your life and create an income for your family. But if you if you stay mindful about how you structure it, your business can just, it just kind of like changes with you and does its thing. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, we're so much harder on ourselves than we might be <laughs> in another person. And so another, I mean, another thing you might try is like, Hey, if I, if this were a friend coming to me and being like, I don't know if I should really take leave. Like I, I, you know, I'm a worker. That is what my identity is. I, you know, I, I want to be in this business day in and day out. Like if you were being a super compassionate friend, what would you say to them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. So what would you say, like, are your top three tips for baby proofing a service-based business? Like while you're newly pregnant or if you're planning on starting a family soon, like we'll do like a top three tips thing. Sure. Um, so I would because of what we mentioned earlier in the interview of there not being a federal paid leave plan, I would really early on start thinking about what, what are the financial um, scenarios that you might find yourself in. And so that can also, that can be a mix of looking at business finances, personal finances, and really figuring out like what, um, what kind of leave um, will I be able to fund myself since that's a situation that, that many people, most people are in. Um, and, it, and if you're in one of the states that has, <laughs> that has a state level paid leave program, look into it. <laughs> so tip number one is think about the financial side. Um, tip number two is, is around this postpartum plan. So I mentioned kind of the postpartum eco map, um, and the transition back to work. And so really allowing yourself to not just think about the like X number of weeks that you will be off, but like, what are the needs that you will have? <laughs> Your business doesn't just have needs. You will have personal physiological needs, maybe psychological needs. Um, and thinking about what are the people that I have available to support me? Um, and so, um, 
you know, if you if you are a mapping exercise type of person, the EcoMap is a great resource. We can link to that in the show notes. Um, and and even just going through the mental exercise of like, what who do I want to help me, and what kind of help can I ask for? Um, and you know, I always like to say too much support never hurt every anyone, but not having enough support definitely hurts people every day. <laughs> so yes. over-indexing on the, on the postpartum support. Um, and then the, the third piece, um, the third tip that I'll, I'll share is, is around specifically the return to work and that um, thinking about it as a transition period. I mean, we talked about the various things that might come up related to identity, related to capacity, um, related to what your business looks like and what your client load looks like um, returning. And so really giving yourself grace and thinking of it as a transition period. You know, you do not have to be 100% on leave one day and 100% back in your business working with clients the next day. You can slowly, gradually um, step back into it. And um, and the logistics piece of that is probably um, kind of the, the key part to making that return to work a gradual thing. So there are childcare logistics, there's client communication logistics, um, there are kind of admin related logistics. Um, so being able to, to think about that transition time um, as a transition and not as a like, boom, I am back at it 100%. And I think that's almost like, that's actually one of the advantages of having your own business is that you aren't forced to go straight back into working an eight to 12 hour day. Like you can gradually go back or you can like, even in my head, I'm, you know, just SLP SLP specific, like even looking at your list of clients and like, which you mentioned earlier, like who can, who would do really well with like home programs versus who needs, who needs maybe an independent contractor who needs you to come back the soonest. Maybe there's a child that's seen more often that you can kind of, you can really just take a look at your caseload and decide like how you want it to fold back in. So I actually, it's funny how like sometimes we see it as a disadvantage because you have to plan your transition back, but it's also an advantage because you get to plan your transition back. (laughs) Yeah. I would say like, if there's a silver lining to like having to figure out your own parental leave plan, this, this flexibility and kind of ability to, to build your own roadmap is, is it. Yes, I love it. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I want to make sure that I'm being respectful of your time. But before I let you go, is there like one final piece of advice that you would want to give that maybe we haven't really gotten a touch on for, you know, a young female entrepreneur or somebody, you know, or young SLP or whoever, who's, you know, expecting to need to have some sort of maternity leave at some point, or maybe, maybe they're not even thinking about kids right now, but they know they want them in the future. Like what's something that you would want to tell them? Yeah. So I think normalizing the range of emotions (laughs) that you go through (laughs) is something that I will end with. I mean, we talked about the big transition of identity and all the logistics. And so, I mean, as with any transition, there's going to be a big range of emotion and, you know, hormonally that is very normal. (laughs) And also just experientially, it is okay to, you know, feel everything from 
excited to frustrated to nervous to grief or sadness um and that that range doesn't make you weird or that there's something wrong with you it is normal um and especially when you are in this kind of uncharted territory of of leading a business and having to figure out um parental leave so sit with the emotions welcome the emotions. There's, there's no quote unquote wrong emotions for, for a major transition like this. Yes. Tell the emotions, come on in, sit down, have a coffee. We'll hang out for a little while and get to know <laughs> each other. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was super informative. I hope all of you out there learned a lot. I learned a lot and be sure everything that Ariana talked about today in the show um, I'll put a link to the Inco map um, that you can find. Uh, there's a few websites. Actually, I kind of looked it up um, a little while ago. There's a few websites that they have there. And also, I think, I know you have a freebie. What's your freebie, Ariana, that they can download? Yeah, so it's actually that Eco map um, that that I, the circles inside the circles and mapping your support networks. <laughs> so oh, you people, have one. Oh, I gosh. have one, yeah. So I'm happy to share that. It's just a free download that people can use. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to me. I know nothing about this. Okay, awesome. So I will put a link to that for being there. There's also going to be a link to her book. You can get it on Amazon. It's going to be in my Amazon storefront, um, but you can get it anywhere books are sold. Uh, I need to, I need to go buy, I've been procrastinating. I need to go buy my copy. I'm going to go purchase it right now. Um, <laughs> but thank you so, so much. And for all of your knowledge and please keep doing what you're doing. Like nobody is talking about this stuff. And it's a serious, like, I mean, these are our children. This is a, this is an issue that needs to be discussed more and brought up to the forefront. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, Danny. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. Be sure you are subscribed so you can continue to get more no fluff content from me. And I would really appreciate it if you took a small amount of time to leave a review for the podcast. It really helps to boost it in the search engines and ratings. And it allows me to continue to produce this content for you and get this message out there to other SLPs and healthcare professionals. And as always, happy wealth building and go do the dang thing.